Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. Mastercard.com.au. Thanks for making the conversion. Joining the scrum. Welcome back. This is The Ruck, the Sunday Rugby Show. Good morning and welcome to the pointy end of the season. Finals footy, it is with us. Uh, and speaking with us, Tim Horan and Matt Burke, as ever. Good morning, gents. Morning, boys. Morning, yeah, boys. good Have to be done? here. It was a big weekend of uh, rugby, wasn't it? Uh, we didn't find out who was in the top six until 5 a.m. this morning. That's not strictly true. We found out who was in the top six some months ago. <laughs> oh, some right, months right. ago. Uh, your, your, your tipping was perfect, was it? Tony? Well, not mine, Timmy. Not mine. Nor, um, I'm thinking more about you and I'm thinking about Matt Burke. You are, after all, the experts. I'm just here to guide you along the path, as you know. Earlier in the season, you remember, I asked for your prognostications, thanks to the late, great Rex Moss up there. Correct, <laughs> yes. uh, I want you just to have a little listen. What you said early in the season about who would fill the top six positions... Balls for mine, Reds second, Crusaders third, Waratahs fourth, and the Stormers probably about that fifth, and I'll put the Hurricanes in for sixth. I'm going to box them. Uh, Are you? All yeah. <laughs> oh, right. So, <laughs> numbers one to six can be muddled up. Uh, I'll, I'll go uh, Waratahs, Stormers, Crusaders, uh, Bulls, Reds, Hurricanes. So in any order, I think that'll be the top six. Now, so both of you hu- did pretty good. <laughs> Except the Hurricanes. Where the Hurricanes and oh, yeah, no, Bulls, I mean, you, you've really looked at the 7 and the 8 team, as it's turned out. <laughs> the oh, Bulls the defending. Hur- the, hur- the Hurricanes were terrible, weren't they? So uh, probably that's the only one we really got wrong. But uh, I think we we're pretty close to the Waratahs and the Reds. So it's great to see the Waratahs perform last night. They were superb against the Brumbies. But uh, I think we were pretty fair, Tony. No, you did very, very well, both yeah. of you. So th- for those of you who have just woken up, not sure exactly how it does look. For the top six, it is the Reds who are at, at the top of the table. The Storm is second. The Crusaders third. The Blues finished fourth. The Waratahs, uh, despite that fantastic win over the uh, Brumbies, don't get the home semi. They are fifth. They will travel and play against the Blues. The Sharks are sixth. Uh, so the Bulls did miss out, can't, won't defend their title. And the Highlanders, who you boys did pick, uh, finishing around eighth. For those interested in the score lines, of course, the Blues 33 over the Highlanders 16. The Rebels 24 got rolled by the Force 27. The Chiefs uh, 11, the Reds 19 beat them, of course. The Crusaders 16 over the Hurricanes 9. The Waratahs 41 7. We'll look at that at some more detail and also speak to Tafta Tafta uh, Palotta now. The Cheetahs uh, and the Storms. The Storms 44 8 tries in that game. Pretty good fun to watch. Storms 44 over the Cheetahs 34. They had nothing to lose, did they? They could just hurl the ball about. Uh, and the Bulls got beaten 23-26 to the Sharks. And before we go on and talk about uh, what's happening ahead in terms of the rugby, it's been a, a tough old couple of days, hasn't it? There's a, we, yesterday on this radio station, a lot of talk about Rex Mossop, of course, who was a dual international. But there was a great man in rugby terms, a truly great man, a wallaby uh, and a coach named David Brockoff, who passed away just the other day. He seems to me, from an outsider's point of view, as not just a crucial figure in having in what he did, but his attitude to the people. He's one of those, those guys who there's so many stories, there appears, about him. Uh, what did he mean to you, Timmy? Well, I think Brock was Dave Brockoff was a, uh, a a great mentor for the Wallabies, especially when we started playing uh, in the early nineties as, as youngsters, and and Brock was always around the team, always on the edge of the sideline. Uh, with his towel wrapped around his neck, tucked yeah. into his tracksuit top, um, but he was—it was someone who he—he uh, he wasn't a coach. He, he wasn't assistant coach for the Wallabies or the Waratahs, for that matter. But he was always on the sideline. And what what struck me about Brock was every time we came back 
from a Wallaby tour or left for a Wallaby tour at the airport, he was there. So win, lose or draw. I remember a game we lost against the All Blacks in Wellington in 1996 and it was a time where we didn't face up against the Harker and the All Blacks came out and, and beat us by about 46 points. And mm. We came back and the only person, uh, there was no media at the uh, International Airport in wow. Sydney, there was one person and it was Dave Brockoff and wow. he was standing there and he hugged every bloke, and you thought, gee. And then six days later, he went and beat the world champion Springboks. It was an amazing guy. And Berkey, I'm sure you got some stories. But, I, I, you know, the great story about Brock, whether most people would know or not, but I think it was what might have been a, uh, a club game, Berkey, where he um, went to the dressing shed. I think they were playing Ramwick. Sydney and Ramwick, yeah. Ramwick, and he went... Went to the dressing shed early and undid the screws on the uh, loosened the screws on the uh, the dressing room door. So when he said his pre-match speech and then pushed his hand through the door and and the door fell off and everyone thought, "Gee, serious today, Brock? We're going to follow you," you know. So a, a great man and uh, we sorely missed and it'll be a massive funeral come on uh, this week. Yeah, Brock. He was um, he made everyone feel special. I think uh, chatting to his son last night at the footy. Uh, he, he had the ability to make everyone feel special. Whether it was the timekeeper down at Southern Districts or, or whatever. So. He was um, he was the kind of guy, as Timmy said, turned up to every training session. Brocky actually was my uh, kicking coach, uh, self-appointed, but he was my kicking coach. <laughs> really? yeah. He used to stand in the background, as you said, Timmy, with the towel around the uh, the shirt and and uh, inside the jacket there, and and his presence was just uh, was a calming effect. Sometimes, um, obviously, he spanned generations. A, a lot of the younger guys um, are sort of uh, perhaps a little bit standoffish because they didn't really know him, you know. Yeah. But Brock. What he said was spot on. Um, he could give a good spray in his time as well, so it's, it made you play a little bit better. But Brocky, we missed. Yeah, already missed David Brockoff. You're listening to The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. Soon we'll speak to Tatafu Pilota now from the Waratahs. Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. MasterCard.com.au It took a show about rugby to get Gordon Bray to listen to this station. Sensational effort! Nice to have you on board, Gordy. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Do you remember the show, uh, The Invisible Man, boys? Well, I think the only way you could see him, this bloke, was when they had put bandages all around him because, he, well, obviously he was invisible. Last night, uh, <laughs> our, our special guest looked very much like that because he was basically head-to-toe bandage. I'm, of course, talking about Tatafu Pilota now, who joins us now. G'day, mate. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You were, I think, heavily strapped is the correct description of what was going on there. Oh, mummified, whatever you call it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, uh, basically just carrying a few needles on the field. So uh, I'll just ask the uh, medical staff if they can sort of strap me up and keep continuing. Uh, tough, Berkey here, mate. How, how did it feel uh, to finish the game Knowing that you've 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 reached the semi-finals, but then you did it in a way that you had so many injuries throughout the year. It was such an incredible feat by some standing players as well. Yeah, absolutely, Becky. I mean, uh, it's full credit to the uh, the depth of the squad because uh, if it weren't for guys in particular with uh, Chris Alcock and Huey Perrett coming from uh, club rugby to uh, step up and having absolute blinders. Um, it just goes to show that the confidence uh, in the whole squad is uh, right up there. And uh, the guys who are injured at the moment are really keen to uh, get back for a spot, uh, to fight for a spot to uh, play in the finals. And Tarth, talking with Tim here, talking about the finals coming uh, up uh, this weekend against the uh, the Blues in Auckland. It's going to be a difficult assignment. But do you, do you feel, obviously, there's still some unfinished business there because you uh, you lost against the Auckland side uh, 31-17 through the, through the year. But... It, they're a team that they play very well at home. Absolutely, Tim. Um, I think uh, the lesson we learned over there is to 
like play the full 80 minutes over there because uh, I think uh, recalling that we only started playing footy in the second half mm. so hopefully uh, we can uh, turn around this week making sure that all our preparations and uh, strategies go the way we want to and try and nullify theirs. Mate, last week we spoke to Al Baxter, of course, who is retiring at the end of the year. He was very much looking forward to his, his final Sydney game and all of that. Well, you know, just remembering it. He's not going to be able to remember it, really, is he, after coming off second best uh, with Tamani. Uh, how was he after the game? Could, <laughs> could you recall uh, anything other than how hard his head was? Uh, I'm pretty sure he can recall everything, uh, knowing he's the, uh, the walking Google of uh, human beings. But that thing... Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, the boys are just uh, reminding him of how good he played because I'll tell you what, he was, I mean, he was close enough to score another try but was denied. So, uh, yeah, we just uh, hammered up a bit that he ran 95 minutes to uh, nearly score but <laughs> fell short. So hopefully uh, he can uh, turn around quickly and uh, be right for the Blues this uh, Friday. Mate, are you, run- are you running special tackling sessions at the moment with uh, with Sitter uh, Tamani as Tony said a second ago your your style is is uncompromising if you hit well the blokes that get hit they stayed hit and Sitter last night hit Ben Alexander and then he got his own bloke as we just mentioned Al Baxter and and both blokes played no part in the game um Mate, if I were running sessions, mate, I'd charge a heavy fee like you would with your kicking <laughs> sessions. But, but that's a, um, no, no, uh, Sitter was a, Sitter was a, Sitter had a re- remarkable game last night. And uh, I think uh, particularly when it comes against the Brumbies who uh, sort of let him go, he, he had something emotional to prove. But, um, I mean, uh, that aside, just his performance uh, in the 80 minutes last night uh, showed. Uh, tough. Did, do you find that the Waratahs, obviously you had a very good start to the season, your second game uh, around, you you thrashed the Queensland Reds. Uh, that's probably the best performance I've seen by the Waratahs in a couple of years. And then the middle part of the season, you seem to just struggle, one, because of injuries, and two, because of a bit of continuity. Do you find now that you've got, the side looks like it's got a lot of confidence, and a lot of momentum going into this final? Yeah, it's funny how the, uh, the season uh, panned out, Tim, because... Uh, pretty much like a roller coaster ride you have your ups and you have your downs and I think with uh, the injury toll uh, coming to play there um, it's sort of uh, a bit like deja vu uh, when we sort of went through it last year uh, playing against the Stormers over in Cape Town so uh, that's saying uh, hopefully uh, the guys who experience that can sort of take that and uh, use it to their advantage to uh, um, come, come up against the Blues and hopefully come up with the upset Tough. Just on a serious note about that strapping, Berkey was talk, telling me about the ice that you had to have on, on your after the game. In terms of a weekly turnaround for you, how long is it before you can get out and actually run around? How long is it kind of a recovery from the injuries of a game itself? Uh, it sort of depends, really, because uh, with mine in particular, they're, they're just uh, ongoing niggles. So yeah. uh, I think... Um, what I try and do is just uh, ice it up as quick as I can but also I prefer uh, trying to get on the paddock because I'm sort of a kinesthetic learner so the more I get on the paddock the better it is for me so I use the uh, recovery to its utmost paramount to make sure that I can uh, run with the boys uh, on Tuesday. And Taf, what what's the plan this week for the Waratahs? The, um, what, what's your, you got some training sessions and then when are you going to fly out to Auckland? Uh, I think uh, we might leave it to the last day, knowing that uh, 
Guys, it's more of a, a mental preparation this week because uh, I think there's a few guys battered and bruised, but leading into last week's game against the Brumbies, it was pretty much similar. So uh, I think we all have the skills. It's just uh, coming mentally prepared. I think that's exactly right, tough. It, it's it's that mentally prepared for what is, a new, in effect, a new competition. You've got to win three games, and, and that's it. And the last 18 weeks doesn't really mean anything. You've got to a point now. It's like a... I suppose, in effect, it's like a, an FA Cup game, isn't it? Like, you win, you keep going, you keep going. So, um, it's there in front of you. It's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty special to go over and play at, at Eden Park again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think uh, the major thing uh, the boys can... Uh, take into it is the fact that they've been in in, this, in final situations before so hopefully uh, they can use that experience and uh, just make sure that it's uh, not anything new and uh, if if it is then probably uh, talk to guys who've been there done that to make sure that we're all on the same page and uh, be up and ready to uh, try and knock the blues off on uh, Friday night. It's tough. Just, just uh, finally, you and the Waratahs played that tough, uncompromising brand of footy. There's some great pick and drive going on there last night. But do you enjoy, as much as someone like me, just watching at close quarters what Kirtley Beal can do? Oh, jeez. Uh, it's just a... Yeah, you can't really describe what Curley can do because... It, He's that unpredictable that you don't know what he's up to. So uh, <laughs> it's it's a full credit to uh, him. But uh, I think um, he uh, definitely uh, congratulates us forwards for laying that platform for him. But to be honest, <laughs> I'm happy just to give him the ball and let him just see do his uh, own thing, really. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, a bit of a, bit of a, a good team environment where like Curly gets confidence off us forwards laying the platform but also we get confidence in him sort of using that platform to uh, do his razzle dazzle. Alright mate as always great pleasure to speak to you all the best for you and the Waratahs uh, against the Blues next weekend thanks so much for talking to us here on the Ruck. No thanks guys appreciate it. Here he goes to Tafu Pelotin now this is the Ruck your Sunday rugby show. Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. MasterCard.com.au Thanks for making the conversion. Joining the scrum. Welcome back. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. And we're just speaking to Tatafu Palotta now, the Waratahs hooker and Wallaby hooker, who plays a, a tough brand of footy. I asked him a question about all those injuries. We, you would have seen him strapped up uh, uh, like a horse uh, <laughs> before the race and, and whether that impacted on you know, when he could get on the training paddock during mm. the week. And just I want to remind you of his answer. Also, I prefer uh, trying to get on the paddock because I'm sort of a kinesthetic learner. No, for a front row, that's not too bad, is it? Well, for a front row. For, for a back, that's pretty good as well. Well, for a bloke who's never played the game, it's very good, I would have thought, as well. I was just trying to... I was racking my brain. I didn't have the kind of gumption to ask him outright, well, what, what does kinesthetic actually mean? Uh, so for those of you who are also listening, you know, Nikai going to junior rugby, rugby uh, and wondering what does that mean, I've got uh, Lizzie in my talking dictionary. Could you just uh, yes. give me... What, what does kinesthetic mean? It is a learning style in which learning takes place by the student actually carrying out a phys- physical activity, so doing, experiencing, touching, mm-hmm. rather than listening to a lecture or merely watching mm-hmm. a demonstration. Oh, there you go. So all those junior rugby players sitting yes. in the car with mum and dad now, yeah, yeah. don't listen to the coach today. Just go out and play. <laughs> Just go out and play. Yeah. That's right. Kinesthetic style. That is brilliant. It's good, isn't it? Uh, look, I, I love rugby league players, but I don't 
think in my entire 30 years of interviewing them, anybody has used the word kinesthetic. <laughs> apart, apart from Tatafa Bolotta now. There's a lot going on in rugby. James O'Connor has signed with the Rebels. Look, I'm concerned about James O'Connor and a few things. He seems to be starting to do that thing where he talks in the third person, and Tony doesn't like people talking in the third person. Tony <laughs> hates it when they talk in the third Matt person. Matt does as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Matt, he does. Timmy, does Timmy hate the third person? Because the, the, the quote today was uh, he went about joining the Rebels. Uh, I want what's best for myself and building my rugby brand. There was a lot of interesting developments about this signing, including KPIs, which is key performance indicators and so on, that he was demanding. Tim, you have a, an insight. What did you make of it? Yeah, I think for uh, for all our listeners, if we rewind a little bit, so James O'Connor has been in the Western Force now for, I think, three years since he was he was a 17-year-old when he played Super Rugby. So a great player and will uh, will certainly be one of the, the Wallabies' great players. He yep. uh, was looking to then potentially, do, do I leave the Western Force? So he put out sort of some initial uh, interests and the, the Queensland Reds, the Brumbies and also the Rebels um, put some offers to, to James O'Connor. Now, James O'Connor had a manager in his early part of his career and then stopped having a manager. His mum and dad do a lot of things with James. If that's the right or wrong th- thing to do for a 20-year-old, m- maybe he was poorly... Ha- this was all poorly handled. He didn't have a manager, so he decided to have a young solicitor try and look after the, the agreement going forward. So I think what's happened there, it's um, he's put some KPIs to the Western Force saying, yes, I want to stay, but I only want to stay for a year with a year option. So that was a, a two-year agreement with a year option. And Berkey, I'm not sure if that's the best way to go, but... Do we know what those KPIs are, Timmy? Like, was it, was it I want the the ball more in a game? I want no. the number 10 on my, on my back? Or No, it's, it was more about recruitment. I think it was more about making sure that... Uh, and I think probably some of them would have been fair. I'm not privy to what the KPIs were, but talking to Richard Graham, the head coach of the Western Force, uh, in time, they had to make a decision as well. If James O'Connor... Um, doesn't want to be at the club or they couldn't finalise negotiations, they have to then start looking for someone else, another player to fill James O'Connor's position. It's a big call, though, isn't it? Uh, It's a big call for for a young bloke. And and we were talking about it before we came on, Tim, with Tony. When we got our contracts first back in 1996, it was like, okay, um, what do you want me to do? How high do you want me to jump? Where now it's it's a case of, hey, hey, what, what can you do for me? I just don't know about the... You're right in the in the leadership, the direction that you're getting from your external sources. I mean, there's, I'm sure they're they're, they're fine young men, but they're maybe drifting just down the wrong channel. It's mm. it's you got to remember, you got to play footy well to get your contract outside of that, and everything that's external of that really doesn't count. Yeah, I think probably what I would have loved to have seen, and maybe the Western Force, you know, need to handle this, but I would have loved to have seen John O'Neill actually come and, and, and I'm sure he spoke to the Western Force about making sure this was sorted out because it hasn't looked good for James O'Connor, it hasn't looked good for the brand of rugby, so to be played out in this sort of atmosphere. In saying that, Timmy, uh, Rocky Elsom has been under a similar cloud, uh, a similar cloud, if I can get it out. Uh, he has no manager, and is it, is, is it a case of... I mean, sometimes if, if, you, if you're trying to talk yourself up, it gets quite... Uh, what's the word? It gets quite... Uh, Kinesthetic. Well, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. um, it gets a bit embarrassing for, for a while, doesn't it? Because you know, you, you're trying to promote yourself and, and they want to have a, a formal meeting where you're saying, well, no, your deficiencies are here, here and here. And you get perhaps too emotional about the whole thing. That's why you need the manager to remove yourself from that situation. I just think they've, they've perhaps done a little bit wrong. Yeah, well, it's a big concern when you talk about Rocky Elsom. I mean, James O'Connor, yes, sorted now. Two years at the Rebels, going to be playing with Curtly Beale, Danny Cipriani. So the Rebels, you know, I don't know whether that's going to develop his rugby, James O'Connor. Might might certainly maybe help his brand if he's going to talk about his rugby brand. I think he's already got one. But um, Rocky Elsom, that's interesting, isn't it? Because Rocky Elsom, not wanted by the ACT Brumbies. Mm. Um, is there a spot for him at Waratahs? I don't know whether there's going to be a spot for him there. So 
Um, is there a spot anywhere in Australian rugby for Rocky Elsom next year? For the Australian captain? For the yes. Wallabies captain. Yeah, well, there's talk here. Europe is uh, where he'll be heading back to, which is amazing stat, Tim, an absolutely amazing stat. Speaking of stats, can I just say I was happy that uh, the Western Force got that win uh, over the Rebels because they've lost most of their games in the last six or seven minutes this mm-hmm. season, and they were would have been robbed with one of the worst, you know, four, 14 knock-ons missed by the officials before the, uh, what would have been a winning try by the Rebels. But the force did come back, uh, and as I said, James O'Connor will be heading to the Rebels. Danny Cipriani will be there as well. We've got so much ahead on the ruck. Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. MasterCard.com.au It took a show about rugby to get Gordon Bray to listen to this station. Sensational! Nice to have you on board, Gordy. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. A lot of uh, terrific nations will be turning out in New Zealand a little later on. It's so close now, you can taste it. We're going to, obviously, the Super 15 will finish, then we'll head into World Cup. And we offer a service here at The Ruck. There may be some nations, and when you see them standing shoulder to shoulder and the national anthem comes on, think... What do I know about that country, really? So we are trying to give you a little bit of an insight. And today, I think we'll go... <clears throat> Thank you very much. Why wouldn't we go to Romania? So standing shoulder to shoulder in their yellow and blue strips, it will be for their national anthem this week, are the men of Romania. Just have a little listen very early to their national anthem. is stirring, isn't it? Particularly stirring when I, I, I read you the lyrics. Wake up, Romanian, from your deadly sleep into which you've been sunk by deadly tyrants. <laughs> isn't that terrific? Doesn't it make Gert by Sea seem lame? Oh, that'd pump you up, wouldn't it? Well, I, I've actually, I've, I've played, I've been to Bucharest a few times and played against Romania when I was playing over in the UK for a club side and we actually played in this field where the players, this is dead set, the players, our reserves, four reserves, had to go with shovels and rakes to get the cow dung off the field before we played. <laughs> well, is it... So it, was, it, it was just it was simply a cow paddock, and they put some corner posts down. They put a couple of old wooden posts up, and away we went. We beat them 137 nil. Well, of course, it is a beautiful place. It's on the southern or central Europe. Um, there, you'd be, it'd be a rubbish trip if you go there and you didn't go to Bucharest. Timmy, you mentioned that it's actually named after a shepherd called Buka. Bucharest. So it's not really, no, it might have been sheep dung, was it, that was there? <laughs> Name means city of joy, just asked tennis player Ily Nastasi, who hails from Romania, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah or, or gymnast Nadia Comaneci, who got the perfect 10 in 1976 in the games. The rugby team is known as the Oaks. Coincidentally, the name of a top drinking pub, an excellent pickup joint in Sydney. Ranked 18 in the world. They've had plenty of good wins, as Tim mentioned, none against Australia. Have you played them, uh, Matty? We played them uh, plenty of times. We played a 95 World Cup, two, uh, 99 World Cup, 2003 World Cup. So they've been a. Um, they've a, been at a every qu- World Cup, they, haven't they? They have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing is, when, when we used to play a, a, an international team, the reserves that would go against the, the team that's playing would be known as the capital city of the team you're playing against. So, for example, um, when you're playing against Romania, as one smart man came out and said, we're the Budapest 15. And went, um, and after, after a couple of days of, of training, I think it was Eddie Jones goes, mate, Budapest's hungry, and you want Bucharest. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay, right, we won't do that anymore. Right. Can I just finish by, I think I'd like another burst of the national anthem, remembering that the lyrics are, wake up, Romanian, from your deadly sleep into which you've been sunk by deadly tyrants. That was at the hunt for Red October. Yes. <laughs> Love it. 
Welcome, Romania. Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. MasterCard.com.au It took a show about rugby to get Gordon Bray to listen to this station. Sensational efforts! Nice to have you on board, Gordy. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Uh, racing towards, and we have to head off and uh, go to jun- junior rugby, obviously. Uh, Timmy, Matt, there's uh, a Timmy. I know you call them your Reds, but they're really the people's Reds this year. I think you've found that a lot of people from uh, south of your border have embraced what the Reds have done on a rugby field. They've just been so great to watch. Well, they went across to uh, Waikato Stadium and did what they had to do against the Chiefs, uh, a 19-11 win. Yeah, it was a good performance by the Reds. It, uh, they came out of the blocks uh, pretty early and, and, and got ahead, got a try up very early and, and a penalty goal. But um, the Chiefs did well to come back. But, yeah, I think the way the Reds have been playing, and everyone's seen the way they're, they're playing, the entertaining style of, of rugby. And I thought it would have been difficult from uh, the way they performed last year was an entertaining uh, style of game. But they've really taken it up a couple of levels this year. So um, you and McKenzie and the team um, will have a, a much-needed week off now. So the, uh, the, the playoffs... That will occur, obviously, uh, Friday and Saturday night in New Zealand. But the Reds, yeah, they were solid. Um, they weren't fantastic, but they, they did what they had to do to get across the line. And But they had plenty of injuries. So getting guys another two weeks till they play now. So getting guys like Digby Iwani back, Mike Harris, is, is going to be pretty important going forward. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's, he's clutching on the injury factor these days. Oh, yeah. The Waratahs haven't played without half their team all year. Well, I think, I, I think the whole... <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the whole... whole well, teams right across the Super Rugby competition, even though there's only been another four or five games compared to last year, the injury toll has been massive. So you can see how much you know that squad mentality is really important. It is so true. Well, I, I mean, some of the Waratahs during the year, Timmy, had to field some of the under-14s from Joey's. <laughs> it was, that's how that injury was going. They did uh, play well, the Reds, though, last night, didn't they? They, they were under pressure, Timmy, at stages, and they, and they held out. They didn't, they didn't play that, I suppose, flashy game, but uh, to get a win in Waikato was obviously really important. And... and you know, Jason Leonard was nearly over the try line a couple of times, and um, and and they held them up, which was um, which is really well done. So, you know, they played well last night. The Reds. I thought they did a, a grinding game rather than the flashy one. Do they, uh, as in a rugby league competition, in the local one, uh, the NRL, I should say, they get a hundred thousand dollars or something for being minor premiers. Is there a cash reward for the Reds for getting across the line first in this uh, amazing three conference competition? Well, I don't think there's a trophy or a, a plaque, but certainly for the Queensland Reds to host a semi-final at Suncorp Stadium on July the second now, mm. and Suncorp Stadium actually, I just noticed yesterday they pulled up all the turf at Suncorp Stadium because it's, uh, it was two metres uh, underwater in the floods in January. So finally they've pulled up all the turf, which I thought was holding up wow, pretty well. Yeah. And July the 2nd, obviously the Reds play uh, a semi-final. Then the July the 6th is the state of origin there. So you want to hope that the uh, the turf will take hold. But yeah, certainly the Reds for finishing on top, they would uh, make a, a windfall of about sort of over 400000 for hosting a home semi-final. If by chance they then win that game and can host a final, you'd think there's another four or five hundred thousand dollars, which go into the, the Queensland Rugby Union, who have been struggling over the last couple of years, but are now getting back on their feet with the way the, the players are performing on the field. All right, when we come back, we're going to wrap it up, and I'll get Tim Hoare and Matt Burke to tell me who wins those games next Friday, next Saturday. Who wins this amazing first off Super 15 competition? Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. MasterCard.com.au. It took a show about rugby to get Gordon Bray to listen to this station. Sensational efforts! Nice to have you on board, Gordy. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Just wrapping it up, okay, we go into the finals. There's a week off for the Reds and the Stormers for finishing at the top of the table. 
So, Berkey, your boys, the Blues, uh, the Waratahs, sorry, they're off to play the Blues at Eden Park on mm. Friday night, short turnaround. And then Saturday's the Crusaders and the Sharks. That's at Trafalgar Park in Nelson. Uh, where are you heading? Who do you think is going to go do the, the job? I think as Taft mentioned before, if they actually turn up and play mm-hmm. uh, for the full time they're allotted, that 80 minutes, they might have a bit of a chance. Um, I like the way they're playing at the moment. They're playing with a bit of um, a, a bit of excitement on the back of Kirtley Beale, as he said. So uh, Waratahs uh, against the Blues. It'll be a big game. I don't think they've ever won over in uh, in Eden Park, which That's will be a big stat a, then for them, first. Absolutely. And Crusaders, Sharks. Crusaders, I think, again, uh, just with the strength of the team they got. They had that great win in, in Twickenham. Yep. There was no Pat Lambie that day, if, if you remember. So he'll be a, a, um, a big figure for the Sharks. But I think the Crusaders will be too strong. Timmy? Well, I think the Tars got a good chance against the Blues. Um, the only thing is the fear factor of Eden Park. Um, you know, as I said, last time they played there, they lost 31-17. Uh, but the Tars, they're playing with confidence and they're, they're playing with some momentum. So momentum going into a final series is really important. And, and the Blues are very beatable. But the Blues at home, uh, with the, injury, the injuries that the, the Tars have, might be a bit difficult to get over the top of. Um, the Crusaders are mine against the Sharks at, uh, in Nelson. It'll be a great game. The Crusaders, they're still without a few players as well. So it's a long way to come for the Sharks. And and from South Africa flying out this morning. Um, but Burke, as you said, the Crusaders, that was a great game in, at Twickenham, 44-28. They beat the Sharks in that in that round. So, um, But, yeah, for mine, what will probably happen if the Crusaders win, they'll then go and play the Stormers in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And if the Blues win or the Tars win, they will then play Queensland at Suncorp Stadium. Wow, that, wouldn't that be a huge game if it, it was the Tars? The Tars <laughs> and the Reds at Suncorp Stadium. Well, they lost out last time, didn't they? Didn't yeah. Tom Carter score a try, Tim, and they didn't, they didn't give it? Disallowed, yeah. I mean, the Waratahs... And the, re- the referee very... went off, didn't he? Yep, yeah, the Waratahs what? were very close to the Reds. What could have been. <laughs> <laughs> it's enormous in prospect. Thanks, boys. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for being with us on The Ruck. Enjoy as the finals kick off. We'll be back to share it with you next Sunday. See ya.